women have to deliberate and educate ourselves and empower one another. And we have to continue to do that or we're going to be doomed. This cattiness and this calling each other sluts and calling each other these names, it's doing nothing but hurting us. And it's, it's really taking a step backward for the common goal of just having women be respected by everyone, just having equal rights all across the board. It's making us look bad as other women if we do nothing but talk shit on one another. So we really just need to come together and support one another. That has just got to be on everyone's agendas, period. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Brandy Goff is in the driver's seat today. She comes from a long line of mechanics and car enthusiasts, and she is no exception. She dives into her experiences in the industry that includes sexual harassment, physical and mental anguish, and work accidents. Even with these challenges, she had this to say about being a mechanic in the industry. I absolutely love what I do, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Buckle up and enjoy this powerful interview. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you with Brandy Goff. How are you doing tonight, Brandy? I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing well. Thanks for joining me on the show and being willing to share your story with the Femcanic community. And I'm excited to share your story. Let's just dive right into it. What I love to do is even though there's a pre-recorded interview, so the folks get an idea of what you do in your background, I like getting into some of the nitty gritties and starting in the beginning and what got you into the automotive industry or your interest around it. So basically it started at a very young age being surrounded by anything that pertains to vehicles, um, racing cars, building cars, uh, going to car shows, everything. It just started at a really young age. Um, my father and his father were always really big car people. And um, I honestly cannot remember a time where we didn't do car related things as a family. Like that was our going out on Saturday family events is going to a car show or going to um, our local uh, track and, and racing um, a couple rounds, things like that. So it really began at as far as I can remember, which is pretty crazy to think about. But yeah, it's it's always kind of been in my blood. There's two questions I have in just listening to you talk about that. One, when you say race cars, I'm curious, what cars, what kind of cars were they that you raced? Well, my father raced. He has a 1970 F85. He actually built that up with my grandfather. Um, my grandfather bought like 
bare bones, like stock F85 and they uh, swapped out the trans and they put a 425 in it and did all this, this craziness to it over a span of like 16 years, Um, you know, just like project stuff. And that was like the first car that they had. Did you ever get in the garage with them while they were tinkering with that? Oh God. Yeah. I would, that we lived there. Like we were, we were not literally, but yes, we were there all the time. We would probably be there like every weekend. And my brother and I, who's three years younger than me, we would, you know, we'd go and do kid stuff. We'd play hide and seek. They actually also lived on like a horse farm. So we would ride horses, you know, do, you know, kid stuff like that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we would always kind of wander into my grandfather's garage and they would be playing music and hanging out. And that was like the cool place to be. So we'd always kind of find ourselves there at the end of the day, doing all kinds of fun stuff, trying to help them out with stuff, you know, with just their current projects. My grandfather would also, he would buy a car that struck his fancy and um, they would fix it up for fun. And, you know, he'd keep it and say, oh yeah, I'm going to keep this car forever this car is the best car. And then like a month later, he'd sell it and buy something new. He was just obsessed. So (laughs) they were always busy. (laughs) That's awesome. My follow-up question in listening is what did grandpa and dad think about or maybe not think about, but what was that experience like? Have they ever expressed or did they ever express around their daughter and granddaughter being in the garage with them? No, not really. I guess at that age, they just, they didn't really think about it too much. As I got older, when I expressed an interest in vehicles, they definitely discouraged me because they knew I basically what I was about to get myself into. Um, And maybe it was a little bit of me just being a female in a male dominated industry. They knew that was going to be tough, but also they just knew that, you know, the politics that come with working in an automotive, you know, any type of shop the cutthroat environment, stuff like that. I'm sure they were kind of reluctant for me to join something like that as well, just as a father to a daughter um, or, or a grandfather uh, to a granddaughter. But um, yeah, when I was young, they didn't care. They actually wanted me to do like junior dragster stuff and things like that. So they were pretty cool about it in the beginning. And, and they're still super, super supportive. I think that's just in the beginning when I actually expressed that I wanted to be a mechanic, they're like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. <laughs> think this through first. One of the first things my dad actually told me was, you're going to love it. It's going to be the greatest, most like accomplished feeling when you're able to figure out like diagnosing and, and fixing a car. It's going to be like a high, but then there'll be other times where you'll turn around and you'll physically just want to spit on a car. You'll want to kick it and, and cuss it out. Like it's a human being. So yeah, he just, he kind of like tried to prepare me for that because it's, he's, he was totally right. I mean, there are times where I'm working on a car and I can't quite figure it out. It's usually electrical because those are always fun. That just, you know, it's got me so stumped and uh, yeah, I'm like ready to spit on the car, just like he said. So (laughs) I can relate to that except for I do more than spit on the car. Sometimes I (laughs) maybe throw a tool and scream four letter words. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I try not to throw my tools because they're my tools and I'm, yeah. I'm like I just spent like five hundred dollars on this thing. I'm not gonna throw it. But yeah. what I do is I'll take my craftsman fifteen millimeter wrench or something, whatever I have in my hand, and it'll start whacking the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> next 
expletive, expletive, expletive. I'm sure you can figure out what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yes. So you kind of grew up around it. Oh, yeah. And here you are. At, at what age did you decide, like, hey, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to pursue? Is it right after high school or? It was like I always had an interest ever since I can remember, but it never, it's so crazy to think about because I never even considered it as something that I could pursue professionally because of, you know, just the crazy gender roles that people like kind of instill at such young ages in women or in girls and boys that like, it's almost like, it's like second nature. I always knew I loved cars and I always knew that they interest me and things of, you know, that something I could possibly grow into a career. It never crossed my mind until later on when I decided, you know what, like that's totally an option. I don't know why I didn't think about it before. It was like kind of just like a light bulb moment. Um, there were, you know, little things that in between then that I liked to do. I like interior design. I really enjoy stuff like that. When I was in high school, I wanted to model and I wanted to be a fashion designer, you know, little flights of fancy, but there was always something in the back of my mind that I was like, man, I really, really want to know how that, how that engine, my dad's working on the garage works. I really want to know how to fix these things, but it was just like never even you know, cross my mind until I was maybe like 19 or 20, which is, you know, it's crazy to think about, but yeah, I guess it, it took me that long to realize that I was even a possibility that I could be a mechanic. And what did you end up doing then within a year or two of graduating high school? Is that when you jumped into it? Yeah. So um, again, another little flight of fancy thing was at some point I was um, wanting to be a veterinarian technician and eventually become a veterinarian. So I worked at a veterinary hospital for, oh gosh, a really long time, I think like four or five years. And that was like something that I was thinking about doing, but it just, it just didn't make me passionate. I wasn't passionate about it. So I was just sitting there like thinking one day, like in my room, like, is this really what I want to do? Is this what I want to dump my money into schooling to do? And the answer was no. So I, when I finally came to the realization that I wanted to be a mechanic, I, you know, hopped on the internet, looked at what type of programs, what type of schooling I would need and things like that. And that's when I brought my father into the, you know, picture who, you know, has been certified forever. Um, and he told me about the ASAP program at my local community college. So it was just an automotive education service program. It's a two-year program. Um, so once I fought it out with my dad that this was what I was going to do, I signed up for that and um, went through with that program. So yeah, that was probably 2012-ish, 2013. And then during that time in the program, they kind of like link you up with a dealership that is willing to basically have someone mentor you um, as a helper. And then, you know, so you can get that hands-on experience. And then that's where I came into working at the dealership that I'm at now and have been there for the past seven years. You said, have it out with your dad. What was that conversation like? <laughs> so when I said that, I actually remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my room and I was doing all my research and I was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And I brought my dad in and I said, look, this is what I want to do. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, no, don't, don't do it. He's like, not just because you're a female, but because I know how much of like a 
back-breaking, frustrating job it can be, how much crap you got to deal with, don't do it. You can do so much better. He always wanted me to go into um, IT and like computer technology stuff because he said like that was the future and stuff like that, which never, ever was something that I was interested in. So yeah, he, we just kind of battled it out for a little while and he was like, no, don't do this. You could do so much better. I want so much more from you. You could do so much more than just be a lousy mechanic. This was like his idea of it. And, you know, to me, it was like, this is like something that I, I have to do. I have to at least try it. So it was a, it was a tough call for a while. My mom thought I was insane. She's pretty conservative and she has like her ideas of what women should be and should do. Um, she doesn't really like hold me down about it, but anytime I try to speak about like women's rights or equality for women in the workplace and things like that, she just gives me like a hard eye roll. Um, she just thinks it's silly for whatever crazy reason. So yeah, it was a long battle with my parents to get them to accept my choice, like my career path, um, choice, but in the end I won. I think this is a important to kind of dive into because th- this is a story I've heard often and there's a lot of value in sharing how did you work through that because I I've been at events where women have literally broken down crying sharing their story about how unsupportive their parents were and how that was a constant battle what did you do? What helped get you through that? Honestly, I just kept telling myself that I know what I want as a person. And like, if it doesn't like adhere to her idea of what a woman or her daughter should be, then like, that's sad, but it's also like not her choice. So I just honestly rolled my eyes back. I was like, it's ridiculous that you think that me wanting to kind of go out on my own and do these things and kind of like break this glass ceiling of these social norms that like we've put in place as a society, like these gender roles like, oh, you're a woman, so you must be a receptionist or you must work at a salon or this or that. And I'm not knocking that in any way. If that's what you like to do, awesome. If you like working in a salon or if you like being a receptionist or secretary or whatever, more power to you. It's just not for me. So like I would just roll my eyes back and be like, you know what? I'm trying to do stuff that makes me happy. And if you can't accept that, then I'm sorry. I just, it was just always kind of like, she never really got down on me about it. She never really told me that I couldn't or shouldn't or anything like that. She just more so thought it was like a joke. Like I was just doing it like it was a phase or something. And then later on down the line, when I, you know, I'm in my seventh year, I've been a mechanic for the better half of a decade now, she's actually starting to take me seriously. It's taken that long. Like she, every time she would need like work done to her car or anything like that. And my dad would be busy, you know, he has a side business as well as a full-time job of, you know, working on transmissions and engines and stuff like that for nostalgic cars. Um, So there'll be times where he's busy and she wouldn't even bother to ask me if I could help her, which I would be more than willing to do just because now I'm at this point where I'm like, I I can, I can help you. Let me help you. (laughs) Let me help you fix these cars. But she wouldn't even take into consideration. She didn't really take it seriously in my eyes. How did you hold on? Like, I I can't even, like, I'm sitting there 
listening to you. And I would have felt hurt. I would have felt hurt by it. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily feel hurt. I just know who she is. Uh I know she loves me. I know she supports me. And like, she only wants to see me happy. I know there was never any ill will. She just, she never really took me seriously. She always thought it was just like, you know, like a flight of fancy or just a whim or something that I would grow out of. At least that's what I thought in my head, but I never took it as that because I always knew that like, she's like the best mom ever. Like I, her and I, we, we butt heads a lot, um, and things like that, just like any mother or daughter would do, but she is so supportive of me. She helps me out anytime I need anything, you know, like, so there's like kind of a give and a take. So there are certain things that like, I guess that in that generation, I've just kind of come to accept that she just was brought up in a different time. And there are certain things that we just don't see eye to eye on. Every time I speak about something that has to do with women's equality, um, uh, you know, in the workplace and just out in the world, attending a women's march, things of that nature. um, She just like, she, she thinks it's silly. And like, I have tried so many times to, speak with her about it and like, just try and understand getting her mind like set of how this is something that she wouldn't like, I'm trying to understand why she doesn't take those types of things seriously as a woman. And she just like, I don't know, maybe she just doesn't care enough. I don't really get it, but you know, to each their own. And she's an amazing mom person. So in in and I guess the the big the core thing here is when other women are listening to this and they're going through this struggle it's those kind of tips and tricks um on how you get through that because every child wants their parent their parents approval but no matter what <laughs> there's just no two ways about it right and yes. to keep forging and keep pursuing that, even though you weren't, it's not, it sounded like, it's not that you were discouraged, but you weren't encouraged either. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much how it was. Like I said, she's super supportive now. She thinks that what I'm doing is great and everything. I think it just took her a while for her to actually take me seriously as a woman in that type of industry. She just, I guess she just, didn't think that it was a real thing. I don't know. <laughs> and, and I think what I'm hearing your message to these other women is you have to keep showing up. Absolutely. 100%. It's tough if you're not getting that support, but that's when it's really important to believe in yourself and to just keep showing up. Yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. I think that if you're not going to show up for yourself and sh- stand up for yourself, then nobody else is going to. And no one's going to take you seriously until you take yourself seriously. So you have to have that mentality right off the bat, especially in a cutthroat world like the automotive industry or any other male-dominated industry as a female or minority. You have to go in there with a certain level of confidence and a certain level of badassery, for lack of a better word. I think that's a perfect word for it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> or you're just going to drown, drown in your self-doubt, um, which I struggle with all the time. How do you deal with that, Brandy? What are what are some key things that you do to help? I, I mean, let's be honest. I imagine there's days where you go in the bathroom or you go home and sometimes you just cry. Cry my eyes out. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> there have been so many times where, and my husband has actually like walked in on me several different times, like a total weirdo in the dark, in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet crying. And he like, just doesn't get it. He's like, well, why are you doing this? Like, just get over it. It's going to be okay. It's just a job. And it's like, it's so much more than a job. Like it really is. It To me, it's like something that like, is my purpose in life to kind of break these barriers. And like, you know, I'm not trying to make myself a martyr in any type of way, but you know, this is way more than a job for me simply because I have all these people surrounding me over these past seven years that have doubted my ability, doubted my intelligence, doubted everything that I've said, done, fixed, didn't fix anything all, all along the way. So it's, you've put your entire self into a job like that. And I'm sure that men do the same, you know, they put their entire selves into certain things, but like as a woman in a male dominated industry, I can guarantee you every other woman out there that takes themselves even halfway seriously has put their entire heart, soul, blood, sweat, tears, everything into being successful in that industry. And when somebody or something knocks you down, it's, it's like a, a real, you know, it's like a slap in the face or like a blow to your soul. So it just, it just hits us in, or me, I can't speak for everybody else, but it hits me so much harder when someone tells me that I can't do it or treats me like an, I'm just some weakling woman that shouldn't even be here. So it's like, you have to stand up for yourself or you're going to be a doormat period, end of story. How do you pick yourself up after those tough days where you're sitting in the dark, crying in the bathroom? It is so, so hard. I honestly don't even know. <laughs> I just keep on going about my day and I try to distract myself with other things, get a laugh out of something silly. Um, sometimes I even just, I mean, you know, switch on Netflix and just kind of have some crazy, like brain numbing TV experience where I just kind of sit there and unwind. And then once I kind of get like that clean slate where I'm like, okay, I've calmed myself down. Then I try, I just go back at it again the next day. There have been so many times where I'll, I would go in for a work week and every single day I would come home and cry because of just the banter that I receive in my workplace, um, the sexual harassment, just everything. It's just so overwhelming. But I just keep my telling myself that like, if I leave, if I quit, if I show them that I'm upset, then they win. So like, that's just not in the agenda at all. It's not possible for me. Like I, ha I, ha I cannot let them win. So I just kind of tell myself that and then maybe it's a little toxic because <laughs> I sometimes need to just like remove myself from the situation. But yeah, I just, I just tell myself that if I let them win, then like, what was all of this for? 
you know? Mm-hmm. What you said reminds me of something that I heard from one of Madonna's acceptance speeches. And she said the, not in these exact words, but basically the most like disruptive thing that she has done in her career is not her content and her work. It was the fact that she was a female that kept showing up and would not go away in a male-dominated industry. Yes. Go on, girl. Go on, girl. <laughs> right? Totally. You know, and I, you, you'd mentioned it a little bit. And just to be clear, you've had multiple employers. Um, but you mentioned sexual harassment. Now, let's... Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, you hear that term and sometimes you get eye rolls and can't you take a joke, girl, and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, you yes. get all of these different things. And what what I tell people, and part of this is education, this is not about male bashing. This is not about women empowerment equals male disempowerment. It's not about any of that. There's just some things that's just tacky and that cross the line. Absolutely. Like it's just not funny. It's gross. It's not. Yeah. I mean, so what I've learned over the time that I've been working with all men all day long <laughs> is that their humor is extremely immature and childish. And that's literally just the way that they are. They think it's funny to talk about their penises all day long. I don't get it. I never will, whatever. But that is so true. There are so many things that leave me scratching my head, Brandy. I I'm just blown away by it, by like how many men run around and they call it ball tapping. They run around yeah. and smack each other's balls. Yeah. I'm like, like it's, it's, women do not it's, run around and smack each other's boobs. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I've never gotten it. I don't get that. it. I, I don't. I never get it. Yeah. I never have gotten it either. And literally all day long, I, I, I think one day I'm actually going to make a tally about how many times I hear the word dick or penis or somebody making a joke about someone else's penis size or their penis size or anything to do with penises. And I bet you I will have like three pages long worth of tally marks because it's insane. But it's it's funny because they, they're constantly knocking each other. It's like a back and forth of like, oh, you're an idiot or you're this or you're that. And it's, they're just like, that's the way that they like joke with one another. Then like, it's like a boys club type of mentality where they're like, if you're one of the boys, we're going to haze you. And like, we're going to make fun of your appearance or your intelligence or whatever, but don't take it personally. So like, I think that they think that they're accepting me as one of the boys, quote unquote, by making fun of me in those types of ways. But they take it over the line so many times. Like I can take a joke. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> Let's put this into perspective because a lot of people are like, oh, she just can't take a joke. Bullshit. If you don't mind, if you don't mind sharing with me some of the actual things that have said so people can hear, do you mind sharing one or two of what you feel is over the line and maybe not appropriate? Absolutely. I mean, there's the classic ones like, Oh, she's being a real bitch today. She must be on her period. It must be that time of month. Mark the calendar, boys, so we know when she's going to be a bitch next month. Stuff like that. Um, you know, there's... 
Wait, I'm going to pause you there. Now let's, I want to process this a little bit. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's just a joke and blah, blah, blah. So what if, what if it was reversed? And, and here's what I mean by this. What if we start, if, if you were, if you turned around and started making fun of impotence or any, if the fact that they can't get it up or something, like there's like personal things that I just don't understand why. Yeah, it's too much. <sighs> because I feel like sometimes they forget that while it's, you know, great to have fun at your workplace, like it's a work place. You must remain at least somewhat professional, even in a environment where you're working on cars. Like they take it too far. And I feel like it's just in every shop ever on the whole planet. It's just, that's just the way that they joke. And they think it's funny and they think it's okay. I mean, there have been certain situations where my own managers, managers have made disparaging remarks or like disgusting, like comments to me where I'm like, you're actually my boss, dude. And you are saying these things like, where, are you, where is this line that we're like not supposed to cross? Because I'm not seeing one. Can you give an example where it's you use the word disgusting? So that that's a pretty strong word. What, oh, yeah. Can you share? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so just one that I can think of that has just stuck with me for a really long time just because it's so gross is there was, um, and this came out of my manager's mouth, there was a leak in our uh, roof at work. And he told me that they had like run out of buckets or something and that he needs me to do a handstand and open my legs to catch the water droplets with my pussy. That was from my manager. Wow. <laughs> so it's just like, and, and how is that not over the line? Exactly. And I don't think that they care because it's, it's gone on for so long and it's partly my fault. You know, I haven't, I have been so shocked and taken back by some of their comments that I have very little time to just even like process or react and say, hey, that's not okay. And I haven't done it in the past. I, I would be sh like sitting there in shock. Like, did that really? Did that just come out? Literally, my jaw dropped when he said that. Cause, and it's one of 1,000, literally a 1,000 different comments he's made that have been something like that. And it's only taken until, I mean, and this is coming from my, this is my boss. This is the person that's hired me. He's the one that signs my paychecks. He's the one that gives me raises, you know? And in these types of environments where you're kind of, you have the opportunity to get screwed over in a way where if you upset someone like a manager by standing up for yourself, which I've seen so many different times by so many different people over the years, they will literally starve you for work. They won't give you work if you upset them. So what would you advise young women? Because you've been in the industry a while. So now you have a 20-something-year-old. She's just getting into the industry. What do you advise? What advice do you give those women in situations like that? So if I could go back in time and talk to myself about it, and this is definitely something that I also strongly, strongly advise for younger women that are stepping into this industry, draw the line right out of the gate where you can draw the line. Like what is like your peak? Basically figure out where you want to draw that line, draw it and don't let anybody cross that shit. Like just don't. 
because if you let one person cross the line and say something that's nasty or makes you feel uncomfortable or anything like that, and you allow it, then they'll come like a pack of wolves and they will see that you allowed that person to make a nasty remark. So, oh, she must be cool. It must be okay. Or she's just a doormat. I'm just going to let say what I want. Like, you know, and it's just going to come like crazy. So just like, don't, don't let anybody mess with you right out of the gate. It's almost like prison. It's insane. <laughs> like, don't let anybody mess with you right out of the gate and you should be fine. Just make that line in the sand and don't let anybody cross it, basically. It seems to be like this is what your dad was afraid that you'd run into. Absolutely. He knew. He, I mean, he was in the business for so long before I was even born. So he knows. I mean, it's it's. there have been times where he's told me where, you know, people would throw things at each other you know, people would sabotage one another. And this was just, you know, one coworker to another. And I'm, I get it. Cause like in his head, he's like, well, there's this young woman coming into this industry where there's a bunch of like gross men that have absolutely no <laughs> manners at all. And basically my poor daughter is going to be in this environment every single day. I get it. I really do. But you know, that doesn't mean that I should stop. I have to, this is where I would challenge men. And, you know, I get why your dad was not excited about you being in this industry. I get it. As a parent, thinking of my daughter being in that industry, it, it scares me. To be perfectly honest, to me, that's not a safe work environment. And I feel like my mom had the same the same exact thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe she just didn't know how to articulate it in the way that would be come off as supportive. She was just like, no, this is not a good idea. So I'm sure she was just scared too. And my thing is, is men, if you are in a work environment and you hear these things and you say nothing or do nothing to change, to help change the work environment, then you're just as guilty if you sit there and do nothing. You're contributing to the problem. Absolutely. Even if you're not joining in, so to speak, and you're sitting silent, silence is agreement. Whether you want to believe it or not, silence is a, is agreement with it. And and it's just, honestly, I view it as it's a form of bullying. It definitely is. It, it really is. And I just... It's disgusting to me. And don't get me wrong, I can take a joke. You know, all through high school, I lived with my dad and my brother. I was always one of the guys hanging out with my brother's friends. That is not it. No, yeah. There's just some things that is just blatant disrespect. Absolutely. There's just no two ways about it. And it's just unprofessional. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, for sure. It's not just that, too, though. It's like, you know, Unfortunately, this is like a, the society that we just live in. It's not that they have like taught themselves to be this way. They were taught to be this way. So basically, in my opinion, men, and especially men that are unsure of themselves and lack confidence, especially when it comes to women, they are terrified of any type of women that 
have any strength within themselves that stand up for themselves that are confident that, you know, unfortunately women are taught at a very young age to kind of shrink themselves, to make themselves quiet and obedient and, um, to be, to be graceful and well-spoken and, and all of these things, um, or, or God forbid, a man will find you unattractive. So women are being taught these things. Men are being taught that women that are outspoken or strong and confident, they must be, um, annoying. They must be bitches. They must be sluts. So stay away. So like, there's already this mentality going into it where they expect certain things out of women, even if they're in the blue collar industry. And if we don't adhere to those types of things that it's like back off, you know, it's like, we're, we're, we're gross or we're sluts or this or that. And it's just so annoying to have to deal with because that's just so far from the truth, you know? Well, and there's women that contribute to that too. Absolutely. You are 100% right. And that's tough. It is. <laughs> and that's why as as women in this industry, we have to encourage and embrace one another, even if our style may be different than the other woman. Absolutely. And whether you're a heels girl and you still love getting your hands dirty or you're a combat boot or work boot girl, both is okay. Yes, both absolutely. is good to go. My big thing with images with, with women on the internet is don't demean yourself. If you're doing it from a place of empowerment, awesome. Right. But if you're doing it just to get attention. It's negative attention anyway most of the time. It is. You know? It is. It's just, it is. And like I'm all for, like you said, I'm all for supporting another woman that wants to be empowered and feel empowered. And especially, you know, women that – you know, if they, if they're doing this to make themselves feel good, I have nothing but love for you, girl, like keep doing you. But like, there have been, you know, certain situations where I see girls that are so young and impressionable and they, they post these pictures on social media networks where like, they're like, oh, this will for sure, like get so many likes, or uh, this will for sure get me a boyfriend or whatever their goal is, or I'll, I'll come off as sexy. If I strip myself down in my bra and underwear and, and lay all over this car. Like I'll be a sexy car girl. Like you don't have to be that way. You don't have to dress that way. If you like cars, like you, you just don't, you don't have to be Megan Fox and transformers, you know, to like a car. You can dress like a normal person to, you know, you don't have to do those things to receive any type of attention because honestly, most of the time it's negative attention. So just maybe don't do it. Right. In my opinion, like I feel coming back to the idea that these women also kind of knock other women down. I would love to see, and I try to do it as much as I possibly can, whether it be just out in public, at my workplace, with other women, um, and on social media. Women have to, we have to liberate and educate ourselves and empower one another. And we have to continue to do that or we're going to be doomed. This cattiness and this, this calling each other sluts and calling each other these names, it's doing nothing but hurting us. And it's, it's really taking a step backward for the common goal of just having women be respected. 
by everyone, just having equal rights all across the board. It's making us look bad as other women if we do nothing but talk shit on one another. So we really just need to come together and support one another. Like that has just got to be on everyone's agendas, period. So well said, Brandy. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking at you're a mother and your daughter is how old? She is three. She's three. What's her name? Quinn. Quinn. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. As a mother in this industry, if your daughter came to you when she's older and says, Mom, I want to do that, what would be your initial feeling? Initial feeling would be, hell yeah, let's get to it. (laughs) I have a 71 Nova in the backyard. Let's fix that up. (laughs) Um, But I mean, of course I would have reservations only because I know what I've had to go through to get where I am, I am now, but I would be nothing but supportive because again, we have to support one another. We just have to, especially my daughter. I mean, of course I'm going to be there for her, whatever she wants to do, whether it be, I mean, even if she comes to me and she says, listen, mom, I want to be a cam girl or something that's like where I'm like, Ooh, I'm still going to be there for her. I'm still going to be her number one fan. So, I mean, the things that I would tell her if she decided she wanted to follow in my footsteps would just be to have a strong chin and basically just keep on trucking, keep on going, and don't let anybody, anyone knock you down. Let me ask you a question, Brittany. I'm sitting here processing through this, and there's a couple things that are on my mind. One... I think about what it's like for women that get pregnant while they're in the industry and have a child while they're in the industry and how that's different for women opposed to men in the industry. What was that like for you? It was really crazy. So when I found out that I was pregnant, I was obviously still turning wrenches at that time and I had to completely cease. Um, I, I found out like, on an evening, like a Sunday evening. And then Monday I had to go in and be like, sorry, I have to stop. Um, luckily enough, um, there was an opening as a product specialist at the dealership that I was working at. So it was kind of a smooth transition, but it was really tough because I, I missed it. I missed it like crazy. I would go back into the shop and I mean, as much as I could, because I didn't want to expose myself to toxic chemicals and, and fumes and, and such, but, um, you know, just see what everybody was doing. And it was, it was, it really sucked for a while there, but, you know. What do you recommend to women, like, as they try to plan for this? Because there's some women who feel that if they choose this career path, that it's choosing between having children and not having children. Uh, no, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that you have to prioritize yourself. You have maybe plan out a little bit better. But other than that, I mean, you can do the same stuff that you would want to in any other job, whether you were a secretary or work at a salon or, you know, just do anything. You know, it as long as you just plan it out, that would be the only thing I would say is just plan it out a little bit better because I did not plan it out at all. So it was kind of like, I was lucky to um, have that smooth transition of going from mechanic to product specialist. And then when I had my daughter, I went back to being a mechanic, but not everybody would have that luxury. So just plan, 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 if that's what you want to do. And I'm sure all the pieces will fall into place. Love it. The other question I had for you is 
if you're talking to your daughter and your daughter, fast forward, she's following in your footsteps and she experiences someone saying some of the things that they have said to you, how would you have hoped that she handles it? That's really tough to even imagine. It makes me sad, but it's going to happen. Whether she is in the blue collar industry or not, unfortunately, she will get some sort of some sort of negative commentation on the fact that she's a female. And, and it's disgusting. Like some of that stuff is disgusting, right? It is, yeah. What would you tell her to do? Honestly, I would just tell her to stay strong and to just to completely ignore it. Because I feel like if you ignore it, then you they lose their power. So if you address it, even if it's in a way where you feel like you're doing the right thing by standing up for yourself, and of course it's good to stand up for yourself. It's important to stand up for yourself. But if you do that, then you're almost giving them the satisfaction of the fact that they know that they've bothered you in some type of way. And then it'll just be a feeding frenzy after that. Randy, is that why you haven't reported those people who have spoken to you that way? Could you feel it's better to ignore it? Sometimes, yes. And to be honest, other times it was just pure, pure fear of losing my job or fear of people looking at me in a different light and feeling like they can't be friendly with me or they can't joke around with me because um, in my opinion, from what I have seen in the past and the times where I have stood up for myself, there is a complete change of character um, towards these people. They will be going, they would go from being friendly to be what I would consider my friend um, and having a good time with them in the shop. And when they cross that line and I stand up for myself, it's like, I'm like, I am a leper basically. Like I, they don't talk to me. They don't, they don't joke with me anymore. It's like a complete 180. And I, I, I don't want that. You know, I want to have a fun work environment. I want to be able to joke around with these people. I want to have a good working environment with these other people because I see them every day. So it was, it was just like a, a mixture of things. It really was. That's a tough topic. I mean, I think fear and all the things that you said is very prominent. And as I talk to women and I hear these stories, I'm always trying to figure out what is the right thing to do? Is it ignore it and don't give them that power? Is it no push? And it's so tough. Should these people even have a job? Should they be fired? Should they, should sexual harassment file be placed? Is it, and, and it sounds, man. So I've done both. I've done both, honestly. And both of them have been really underwhelming, unsatisfying results. So honestly, it's, it's a tough call that, that you have to make on a case-by-case basis, in my opinion. So I want to make sure I understand when you say you've done both, you, you have filed a sexual harassment case? I'm sorry, I should have clarified. Um, I didn't actually pursue a case, like a, a legal case, but I did go on um, my HR uh, website one time um, and I filed a complaint when a manager when I was pregnant, called me a bitch, like screamed it in my, into my face and then pushed me out of a doorway and, and slammed the door in my face because he was 
in a mood that day. So I said, enough's enough when you physically put your hands on me. Oh, hell no. Yeah. And I was like six (laughs) months pregnant, dude. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's when I filed the complaint. And again, underwhelming, unsatisfying results. I was pulled into the office after I made the complaint, my general manager. And I believe, I can't remember because it was a while ago, but I think the owner was there as well. And they basically were like, this is not okay, but we would just want to let you know that the reason why he acted out like this was because he just found out that he's got cancer. So please just cut him a break and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay. Okay. (laughs) You're kidding me right now, right? No, not. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And then like the, I am disgusted right now. Like, He apologized and he said, he, oh, I'm oh, so sorry. I can't believe God. that I acted that way, this, that, and the other. Um, I'm just going through so much right now because I'm sick. And like, I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? I was like completely blindsided. And like this guy had like puppy dog eyes and was like, I, I'm dying of cancer. And I'm just like, well, shit, <laughs> I guess it's okay, but not really. <laughs> mm. I, I, but here's the thing, and, and I'm sorry, I, it's tough for me to have compassion, and, and I'm really sorry about the cancer thing, yeah. and that's huge. I totally get that. Absolutely. But there are so many stories I hear about excuses for how men act. Yep. And not just all men, but like a man that is saying and doing inappropriate stuff. The the infamous saying boys will be boys and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And God, I'm just so tired of it. Like, I am too. It it just my God, we can have fun, but don't be an asshole. Yeah. For me, and I'm sorry, Brini, I'm on a soapbox here. It, it, I, I really <laughs> struggle with it's like what will get the message across? And and I'm not completely sold on the ignoring thing. And I'm not saying the way you're doing it isn't the right way. That's Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's just like, my God, what needs to be done to hold them accountable to drive change? Honestly, I'm pretty sure every woman that have, has ever advocated for women's rights or equality in the workplace and everything else have the same exact question. They're scratching their heads just as hard as us right now because it's been so long and still, still they don't get it. So, you know, who knows when they'll finally understand. I mean, we have a lot of allies and there have been a lot of people, men that I've met over, you know, just the course of me working in this industry that have been nothing but supportive and awesome. And they really restore my faith in men. Um, But, you know, there will always be these pig headed, you know, egotistical assholes that just think that they're better than me because I'm a woman. And that's just not the case at all. I deserve to be here just as much as you, dude. I work just as hard. I'm just as smart. I'm just as strong. So, just get that idea out of your head right now. I, I'm going to recommend anyone listen to Jill Trotta's episode because she shares very detailed suggestions and tips on how to get paid what you should get paid. And you and I talked a little bit about that, and we're not going to dive into that deep right now. But I, I'm telling you, if you haven't listened to it, Brandy, listen to it because she's she puts the screws to them, and she ended up getting back pay. 
She ended up getting pay raises. She, I mean, she really lays it out for women to follow kind of a system on how to approach those things. And I strongly recommend it to anyone because it's just, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, And I'm, I am so sick and tired of people minimizing it. Yes, me too. I, I am. I, I, like, it's not a problem or we're blowing it out of proportion. I'm just tired of it. Like, yes, I'm not absolutely. looking for favors. I'm not looking for favors or favoritism and, or it's not about a victim talk. This is about I am human and if I am good at something and better than you, I expect to be compensated for that. Absolutely. Not my gender determined that I shouldn't be paid as much. Now, if I'm not doing my work and I'm not as good as the other person, that's something different. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking all things equal. The only thing that's different is the fact that I'm a female. Yep. And if that's the case, that's total bullshit. And and I'm telling you, like, listening to these stories, Brandy, if someone talks to my daughter that way. You'd be fighting them, right? (laughs) I would end up in jail. Yes. I would. I'm like, you. Oh, Hell no, that that would be the day that someone talked to my daughter that way. Exactly. But you know what? Again, they will win. If you, you know, just don't give them satisfaction because that's literally what they want. And like, I try to think about it as like this job that I'm doing, but I'm trying not to concern myself with what they're doing. I try to tell myself, like, I'm going to learn at my own pace. I'm going to do things at my in my own way. I'm not going to concern myself with how fast they can do a job or how well they can do a job because I am my own person and I need to stop comparing myself to them because it's not a comparison or competition between men and women. It's like a collaboration. Like we're all here to work. We're all here to do something. And it's, it's a toxic way of thinking about it. If you try and compare yourself to a man. Collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. That, that is a great description. Well, Brandy, these have been awesome topics and I've loved discussing these topics. And I so appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and share that's the power in your story is your vulnerability and willingness to share. So thank you so much for doing that. Of course. I'm happy to talk with you about it all. I think we're ready to launch into the red line round. And what the red line round is, five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to them. Whatever pops into your head's the right answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? My dad, for sure. He is basically my hero. He's grown up his whole life just loving cars and everything about cars has always been like something that he, he I don't know, he just he just loves them. He is cars. It's it's the weirdest way to say it, but he just is. That's that's his being. And he's just so so passionate about it and I just love the way he goes for stuff and like if he's passionate about it, he's going to make it happen. So that's just something that I've always tried to strive for when I try to accomplish things or do things that I'm passionate about. So 100% him and my grandfather, um, just because he's a total all around badass. but <laughs> um, yeah, for sure, both of them. Love it. What is dad's name? Aaron. Aaron. And what is grandpa's name? Wayne. Wayne. And is grandpa still with us? Yes, he is. Okay. Aaron and Wayne. Hi from Femcanic Garage. And thanks for raising an amazing, powerful woman. <laughs> 
Two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? I call my dad. <laughs> I call my dad and rap with him about it. We kind of knock idea, ideas off each other back and forth. I love to um, YouTube stuff. Um, I know there can be a lot of craziness on YouTube that like absolutely makes no sense, but there are certain channels that I like to watch where they explain things really, really well. And I'm trying to think of them right now. And for the life of me, I cannot think of the guy's name, but I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't mind sharing that and I'll put it in the, uh, the show notes so that the listeners can go check it out. Absolutely. What excites you most about what you do? It's a, it's a mixture of things. First and foremost, it's fixing something and getting that high because there's nothing like it. I mean, when you figure out something that's wrong with a vehicle and you can, when you hit that start button or turn that key and it, and it runs and it runs well, it's just like you're throw a little parade for yourself in your head. It's awesome. Um, it's just a really, really good feeling that I, a sense of accomplishment that I've never really felt in anything else in, in any of the jobs that I've ever had. So that is definitely something that excites me a lot. Also, I mean, I've just got to be perfectly honest. I love the fact that I'm a woman in a male dominated industry. I feel like it's awesome. I feel like I'm empowering other women to do cool stuff. And I just love that feeling that I'm doing some type of good if it's on a very small scale. Um, but it's still something that I really enjoy and feel good about every day when I step into that place. Very well said. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? A personal habit. Oh, a personal habit. Um, I like to retrace my steps of what I do. If I end up messing something up or I, I skip something over or something like that. If I, if I'm stuck and I'm like, well, this didn't fix it and this didn't fix it. And what else could it possibly be? I try to retrace my steps and go over my diagnostic flow charts just to see if there's something that I've missed. Um, I also like to write down possibilities of what it could be and kind of do a process of elimination. Um, I've found that that's pretty effective because there are certain things jumbling around in your head. And if you get them down on a piece of paper and see it in black and white, it could be this or it could be this, then it'll kind of help you do that process of elimination and figure out why it could be this. And it kind of just helps you to, to find the problem. And finally, what is your parting advice to other fem mechanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? Just be who you are. Work hard. Don't apologize for anything that you do ever. And just keep being your badass selves because it may not seem like it now. You may be in a rough patch. You may be doubting yourself like crazy. I know I have, but I promise you, you're doing awesome. And just keep it up, dude, because you are going to freaking kill it. I'm pretty sure that's the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, where and how can people connect with you? Um, you can connect with me on Instagram. Um, my handle is mama.tired. Um, you can also connect with me on Facebook, Brandy Goff. I think I have a Twitter, but I never go on it. So don't connect with me on there. <laughs> 
Perfect. <laughs> Brandy, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and sharing your amazing story with me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Brandy Goff, automotive technician. I am a fanatic. Megan Myers in the driver's seat next week. She's been drag racing since she was 10 years old. She set the record for the quickest female pass of 5.15 seconds and a career best of 285 miles per hour. In 2019, she won the world champion for top alcohol drag racing. You won't want to miss this interview with the most winning female in NHRA top alcohol dragster. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?